Welcome to The Uplift, where we are uplifting our lives, uplifting each other, and uplifting our communities together. Thank you for joining myself, Sai Herrera, and Tessa Savala here, two women, two attorneys, doing it our way, and inviting you here each week to share in on the stories, advice, and life lessons we've picked up along our journeys that keep us uplifted, and that will hopefully do the very same thing for you. Now buckle in and let's get ready to be uplifted. All right. So this week I have been thinking about Abba reuniting. And I remember as a kid, Abba had broken up and it was this, being Swedish, it was very, you know, on top of everybody's mind and there was this never saying that they would never ever 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 work together again you know they had of course their issues where they had intermarried each other and there were probably a lot of emotions going on and they had toured a lot and they'd been in close proximity and there was this concept that nope they were not working again it didn't matter if somebody offered a billion dollars they weren't doing it again I think they even threw out that number a billion dollars it wasn't going to bring them together and now here we are they're releasing new music so it made me really think about this idea of when we say never like never ever will I do x or never ever will I consider being you know friends with this person or never ever will I take this job or work in this field and think about how much that limits us, limits us and whether or not it's a benefit or detriment to us. I mean, Abba got back together because they love music and they love making music mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Does that apply to us too? And how much are we limiting ourselves by saying, never will I, and then fill in the blank? Have you found in your lifetimes where you either said never or you've seen someone say never and then it just, I don't know whether it's karma that wakes us all up and says, hmm, here's an opportunity in that thing that you said never in (laughs) and it looks really good. Yes. Well, I think the interesting thing with Ava is like it was such a public thing that they 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 were (laughs) they felt so confident so yeah so absolute about it that they put it out there um and so I find that interesting because I think on a personal level uh you know we don't make such public declarations usually but (laughs) but how many times do we say never in our head yeah or to our friend or you know just I mean how many times do we look at something and just rule it out immediately um Mm -hmm. and do we really really sit with that and think through why we are counting ourselves out that's an excellent point like why did that thought that we would never do fill in the blank where did that come from was it Mm -hmm. culture or our parents or Mm -hmm. something we saw or read somewhere or a friend who said "Ooh, i don't like that whatever it is job person career field absolutely i i I think that we have to we just have to with like so many other things pause and examine like where these thoughts are coming from and whether or not they really represent 
you know, what's best for us. And so to your point, um, like, let's take a moment every time that those thoughts come through and just question them. I think that is an incredible practice because never can come from so many places. I think (laughs) so many places. Right. And I think for, for me personally, the first thing that comes to my mind is that never comes from, um, you know, insecurity, I think that you can uh, look at other people doing something and on the outside and maybe even in the inside, it looks like they are doing a bang up job. They're doing an amazing job. They're very capable um, of this thing that maybe you are looking at because you're attracted to it, right? For some reason, you're paying attention there. It's grabbing your eye. It's grabbing your attention. So, I mean, I always tell people, like, pay attention to what you are being drawn to because there's a reason. Like, I remember, I probably said this before, but I used to be really drawn to the executive directors of the nonprofits that I would intern at, and I didn't really know why. I just felt like this admiration for them. Um, But if I had reflected a little bit, it was, you know, it, it, now it's obvious to me, like, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I, I felt like they were doing something really great and I wanted to be a part of it. Um, but why in your mind, maybe when you look at someone and, and think like, I admire them, do you not say I want to be them? Like, why do we just count ourselves out? And I think part of it is just, I think it is insecurity. And so I think for me, it's been helpful to, understand that you can look at somebody doing amazing work and you can say I want to do something like that one day and instead of counting myself out what I've done is said okay this is not about um whether or not I'm like just worthy as a person inherently but rather what skills do I need to do the work that they're doing and I mean I'm I'm, I'm coming at it from a very like work <laughs> related yeah, approach but yeah. it's just the first example that popped into my head where you know I used to admire these EDs a lot and I would be like okay well what 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 do I have to offer that I can do and I would always think like I can only be you know the the other roles in a nonprofit. Um, but I remember one day, you know, really getting to see more of what an ED does. And I just said, Oh, you know what? I'm smart. <laughs> I can learn things. And mm-hmm. I thought, let me just figure out what they really do and then figure out how to learn those skills. And I, um, you know, I was, I was offered that kind of position within a year of really starting to think that way. So I think that's the other thing is the power of um, not allowing never to take over your mindset. When you do that, the world opens up and there are just so many more possibilities when you give yourself permission to explore them. Do you think when we say never to ourselves, it is coming from a place where we don't have the confidence in ourselves mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. understand that we can do this or we are able to make these relationships or... Mm -hmm. have these dreams or accept that it is okay to choose to do what makes us happy oh yeah yeah that's a great point I mean made a lot of good points in there but to the your first point I think yes I think that we're limiting ourselves because we see other people doing things and we just I, I think we actually assume that there's that they have something really really special <clears throat> And that we don't have that and that we can't get it. And I mean, you know, the human brain is amazing, (laughs) but it makes (laughs) all of those, you know, really quick connections, really quick assumptions, really quick conclusions, um, you know, in a millisecond, really. And if you don't 
pause and kind of tear that apart and, and check it, um, then that becomes your narrative in your mind that you are not capable. And, you know, frankly, if you don't believe it, that you're, I mean, if you believe that you're not capable, that's what everyone else is going to believe too. Um, so I think that mindset, um, is, is extremely important. Maybe the most important thing really, because everything else in my mind is, you know, learnable, doable, you know, networking. If, if someone has, you know, all these connections and you don't, um, you know, how did they get there? They started off just like you one day with, with no, no connections and, and they grew it from maybe one or what have you. Um, and it's the same thing with everything else. Um, you know, sometimes I used to think like people have so much more money than me. That's why they're able to do all of these things. Um, and then I realized, you know, you can make money, um, and you can keep <laughs> some of it and you can grow it. And, you know, and, and I mean, there's just, there's so much to learn in the world about everything. It's a matter of, like you said, you're to your latter point of knowing what matters to you, actually. Um, the self-reflective part, the part where you really observe what excites you and what makes you interested in something, what like lean into that. And then you're going to be able to kind of find your path as far as where you want to go. Um, and as long as you believe in yourself that you can get there by, you know, just kind of being, I mean, frankly, tenacious and, and starting off with the mindset that it's possible. I think that's what we're talking about today that, you know, it doesn't have to be never, it can be, this is possible. And when you make that switch, um, then things do become possible. And to me, it's, it also sounds like, you know, the American dream, like, mm all these opportunities and we can seize them and for some reason while we might culturally have this concept of an American dream I think we might limit ourselves mm -hmm. even if our culture is saying you can do anything and be anything yeah yeah and I, I wonder mean, mm -hmm. do you think it comes from our own childhood experiences mm -hmm. our cultures in our homes or is it something that society puts on young people growing up i think it's all of the above and that's why it's so complicated right um i think that when we're told when we tell ourselves never it can come from all of those places or one of those places but i, I think that's why it's so complicated and today's you know talk is really about lifting each other up beyond that mindset um, because I, I do personally believe that, you know, people are very, very conditioned throughout their entire lives. Um, I think expectations are incredibly important to someone's, someone's life and their, their life path. Um, but it all starts, you know, in childhood, it starts when you're, you know, very impressionable, um, and you're getting all of these cues from everyone in your world. And now today, you know, our world is a very, it's really a bigger place if you think about it, right? Because you're yeah. getting information from all over the world, literally, right? You're getting information from strangers across the globe. I mean, you're getting <laughs> feedback sometimes, like direct feedback. Like, can you imagine these kids putting themselves out there, making videos, making, you know, I mean, and getting comments from strangers all over the world. Like, this is a huge, yeah. big world now. And we are getting information and cues and direction and instruction 
um, whether it be subtle or, or covert or, or really, you know, obvious and out there, um, all of those, I think, culminate to, uh, to tell us what we're capable of. And, um, and I think at the very least, I hope that people will uh, challenge themselves to, to notice when they're saying never to themselves and, and question it question it, question it. Questioning, I think, is the beginning of really dismantling this conditioning that may very well not be serving your purpose. When you talk about how you were fascinated with executive directors, Mm -hmm. and then something triggered your ability to switch from, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, I really revere executive directors to, oh, wow, I could be one. Mm -hmm. Can you point to was it an event? Was it advice? Was it relationships that allowed you to make that switch? Or was it just kind of kismet? Well, you know, I'll be really honest. In my experience, um, I and, and this is why my first answer to the, the topic today was it, it, it's about insecurity in my mind. That's the first thing I think of. I think it's, it can be so many things, but that's the first thing because in my experience, it was, I had to get closer to it and, and get a peek again into it, um, to see, you know, what people are doing. And what happened with me is I, I really, you know, I can't stress enough how important it is for people to reflect on what really brings them joy in their lives and what would bring them joy in their lives and, and kind of their lives, you know, I don't want to say like, you have to have a mission or some purpose, but just what, what do you want this life to be? And for me, um, I had an idea and I could have just, you know, limited myself in my role and my work. Um, but I felt like this idea would help me improve my community and bring, you know, services to people that really needed them. And that's really, really rewarding for me. And so I decided to be, I think kind of courageous. Like I was afraid, I was afraid to bring it up, but I I did it anyways. Um, And when I did, I got to come into the, like a little bit into this inner circle of, of the people that were running the organization because I had brought this new programming idea and, um, and they liked it to my surprise and they wanted to support it. And I just got to get closer. And so when I got closer, I really got to look around and say like, Oh, like, I actually feel like I kind of belong here. <laughs> I feel good here. Um, and I'm seeing, you know, the work that people are doing and it just demystified it for me, really. That's really what it was. It was like the admiration was almost like also an idolization where it felt kind of unreachable. And um, and and that was really all of my own mindset of just like thinking everyone had something that was, you know, bigger and better than me that something that I just was missing that I didn't even know what it was I just figured they're there for a reason and I'm not there for a reason um but as soon as I got closer and just started having a peek in I realized like oh these are just people like me you know doing work that I could do (laughs) (laughs) I could do that you know and so it was it was just a demystification moment it was a moment where I just got to to see 
behind the curtain. And I think that, you know, this is why this kind of talk is important to me is that I want people to hear that, like, you are good enough, you know, whatever you're wanting to do. Um, I want you to know that you're good enough. You can do it. Um, it's just literally a matter of getting closer to it and, and you are going to build your confidence. You know, the, the small steps that you stay, take into that world, you're, you're just going to build in confidence. And because you will feel like, you have that experience, you are doing it, you're doing it now, you can do more. And, you know, it's just like other things we've talked about. Once you get to one goalpost, then the horizon becomes wider, you can see farther. And it's, it really is that, it really is that. But, but if you know from the beginning, um, or wherever you are today, if you take on the mindset that you don't have to limit yourself, that you don't have to say never, that you can dismiss those voices and, and, and replace them with anything is possible and that this is possible, what you want and what will bring joy to you is possible, then I, I think it just, it opens up the world to, to all the possibilities. I think you touched on something that really changed my career trajectory. And that is that knowledge that the person occupying the position that you want in the future actually doesn't know everything. Yeah. Like I think we, believe that these people in these higher positions know everything and they don't they just know how to get the answer when they need it and that's a big Mm. difference and I think a good learning experience to understand that those people are just human beings who are (laughs) just as foul you know flawed as the rest of us Mm -hmm. and they don't know everything and we are capable of that same role Absolutely. I think that is, um, that is a big, big part of it. Um, yeah. Like when I said it, it felt like I was, you know, it was almost an idolization. I said that in a way that it, you know, you think that people are flawless, just like you said. Um, but also that they have something that is not attainable. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just think that, you know, one of the things that has helped me feel like I belong in this space, um, even trying to combat things like, you know, imposter syndrome, all of that good stuff. Even if you do get the things that (laughs) you're working (laughs) towards, then you got to deal with that. Um, Part of what has helped me is, is really, really valuing myself actually. And so, um, and just who I am. Uh, And I think that that is, uh, that can be key too. So one understanding, like you said, that the people in these positions don't know everything. They are not, you know, perfect human beings that have something that you're incapable of of attaining, Um, that all of their skills are actually learnable skills, just in general. I, this is really an aside, but yesterday, I, I, I shouldn't even say this out loud, but yesterday I, was thinking about how I love singing. I'm not a good singer, but I, I love singing. And I was watching somebody sing that was in lessons and, and stuff on YouTube. And I had the same epiphany again about this. And I thought, you know what? I'm not a good singer. I can admit that. But I'm looking at these people that have attained the skill set through lessons, you know, and through this mm-hmm. this discipline. And I realized oh, like I could get that skill set. It, it's just, it's just <laughs> funny that like, I have to learn this lesson over and over again. 
Um, but you can apply it to everything. You can literally apply it to everything because it's true everywhere. So yes, you can do that. You can understand that it's a skill set that can be attained, one. And two, um, that you have, uh, you have something special to offer. Whoever yeah, I... you are, there's no one else like you. You have something special to offer. And that has helped me, um, you know, where I am feeling like I actually do belong here because, you know, those skills, those are attainable. Anyone can get those skills, but nobody can be me and bring my unique experience and perspective to this role. I think you're absolutely right. And for me, something that is super helpful is making sure that my inner circle is a group of people who only sees the best in each other mm-hmm. and sees the best in me. And I think that helps build my confidence when it falters or I like find imposter syndrome infringing upon my day to day, knowing that other people see the value in you and see your potential as opposed to see you as you are at that moment. That's really helpful, at least for me and it uplifts me. I don't know if, do you find the same way when you have your circle and you go to them and ask for their advice when you need that uplift? Does their view of you help you move out of those spaces that kind of sometimes limit you or hold you in place? Oh, 100%. No, I wouldn't be anywhere without that, actually. (laughs) Because, (laughs) I mean, really, like, truly, truly, truly. And this is why, you know, building this this community around what we're doing here is is so important because, um, I mean... So many times because of just who I am, I, you know, I'm very, I'm an empathetic person and it serves me in in the work that I want to do like that. And that's a beautiful thing that I don't want to lose. But it also in my, you know, in my workplace, in my relationships with the people that I'm I'm working with, um, I can often like give everything over without like remembering about myself, um, without remembering who I am, without remembering my value, just like almost sacrificing myself. And it takes a village. (laughs) (laughs) It really does take a village for me every time to like be reminded, like one, you know, you're worthy of being happy and treated well and, you know, all of that good stuff and, and, and to not feel guilty about pursuing, you know, the next opportunity. And I mean, there's so many instances that I could point to where, you know, if I was left to my own, uh, uh, you know, I guess just my own, sometimes even negative thought, but just whatever's in my head, if I was left to my own impulses of trying to just help other people and give and give and give, I would be left with nothing. I, w- I really would be left with nothing. And so um, you got to have people around you that are going to lift you up in a way that is about you, like people that actually care about you and want the best for you. And we've talked about it before, but I think sometimes it's so much easier to do that for someone else than to do it for yourself. Um, <laughs> and so we, we need it. We rely on it, depend on it. Absolutely. I know I often... I have to, to sell myself for pitching for clients or what have you. I often think about how would the people who support me describe me. Mm. And I think that's often different than how I would describe myself. But when you are, you know, trying to put out the best version of you, I think it's often 
I would say almost always better to have the voice of your inner circle be the voice that comes out of your mouth than your own voice. Oh, absolutely. And I have, we have to keep saying that because I need to internalize that. That's <laughs> the best thing ever. Because it's, it's funny, like, like, I mean, just literally thinking about this in this moment, when you say those two things, I think about like how I would describe myself without thinking that, and that it would be really like talking about like, just my like very hard skill set if that makes sense mm-hmm. right like just like I am an attorney here are my credentials like proving myself <laughs> like in this very like stoic way um yep. but you know what like my resume has changed so much in the last couple years and it and I think it's in part like due to that this little exercise of like how would other people describe you you know what do you have to offer to the world that is is beyond you know credentials like I think that again talking about socialization and 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 the way that society kind of molds us um I think that we're taught that that is the only legitimate like some things are only there's only so many legitimate things that you're allowed to talk about as far as what you can offer right um and so you you talk about your credentials you talk about your schooling you talk about your experience um but more recently I have gone beyond that to really like bring my whole value um to the table and and it's through the the courage that's endowed upon me you know with people that see me um in the best light like you talked about to say like no I have all of this other stuff to offer as well and um and I would be amazing in this role for these reasons like it it really does change (laughs) your whole mindset it really does it does yeah I saw a uh meme on I think Instagram this week of a woman posting a picture of her very young toddler child and there were some people who saw the child as a girl and the woman said when people see the child as a girl they say oh you're so pretty oh don't you look so pretty you're so beautiful a little princess but when they see the child as a boy, they think, oh, you're so strong. You're so tough. Look at all you can accomplish. <laughs> and I know that is true in society. And it gets driven home on how the gender constructs mm. that have been in place influence how people are treated. But I think overall, it also impacts how we think about ourselves, right? Like if you're that child who's always told you can do and be anything, that's a lot different than a child who's only told your only value is how pretty you look. 100%. That's the real right there. I mean, I, I mean, I can just share my personal experience because I hope it, because I hope it speaks to other people's, but you know, I developed young, I was like, I was over-sexualized when I was a young girl, um, you know, people would call me, call me sexually explicit names when I was 12, and I didn't even know what they meant, um, and it was very confusing for me, because I always felt like I was some kind of a villain, like women would treat me badly, um, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't understand it, because I'm, I'm a pretty sweet person, actually, <laughs> and so You're I didn't very sweet it. person. <laughs> didn't understand, like, I know that about myself, and so I was very confused, um, but I think it totally sticks with you, um, and, and, and it, and it can shape you, especially in your young, younger years, um, and I mean, and beyond, too, so, I mean, that's just one example, um, where I felt like I had to lean into the being pretty and being sexy, honestly, like, I mean, that was something, that was a part of my, my teen years, where I just felt like, 
this is what I'm supposed to be, I guess. And, and, and then you kind of like, it's a, it's almost a self-fulfilling or societal fulfilling um, prophecy in that way. And so it, it is intriguing to me, the, the power of other people's expectations. It is extremely yeah. powerful. And so I think that this is really the whole reason that we're talking about this today again is the same thing is happening right now. You know, like think about an example in your childhood where that was true, just like I did right now. Um, but also like challenge yourself to realize like the same forces could be right now in, in your world, in your lifetime, uh, in your in your daily life right now but you might not think it because you're not, you don't have the narrative of thinking, Oh, well, I'm not an impressionable teenager anymore. I'm not a child right. or what have you. But the truth mm-hmm. is, is that expectations are extremely powerful psychological tools that, you know, people don't even know that necessarily they're using just like to your example, that's an, an incredible example because the people putting those expectations on that child, they don't even know that they're doing it. (laughs) They're just reacting and their reactions come from the socialization and internal cues that they have, um, you know, the external cues that they've internalized. And so, you know, just challenge, I think we all have to challenge ourselves on a regular basis to check, you know, the expectations that are being put upon us, the expectations we're putting upon ourselves um, and really like the limiters that we're putting on our life because of society's expectations of who we are and what we are worthy of doing and being. Absolutely. And I think, you know, oftentimes it's incumbent upon us to make those changes. As to that gender construct example, what I was born in a hospital in Brussels, Belgium, and in that case, they take the boy infants and wrap them in pink and they take the girl infants and wrap them in blue because they're trying to destroy those. And this was, you know, wow. I was born in the mid to late seventies and that's where those constructs oh, wow. just started disappearing. So that's it's amazing. not only incumbent upon us, but it's also the changes that can be effectuated through our institutions and our mm-hmm. businesses mm-hmm. and making those decisions for not only ourselves but to help others to uplift them and the consciousness is what is sticking out to me right now and what you're saying the consciousness is key so this is why you know talking about it is incredibly important because when we have the when we have the consciousness um amongst us to see what is happening and how it impacts people's mentalities and then people's lives ultimately, right? Their entire Mm -hmm. lives can be extremely impacted in this way. And they are frankly, extremely impacted in this way. Um, Then we can begin to explore how to change it. If we think that's what, what needs to happen. So yeah, I think that we have to have these conversations large and small internally and externally. Absolutely. That's something I've noticed in, my work is that I've noticed a change in not only how we as individuals are starting to be more open. And I think it's from what you talked about, if we have more information and that can be a very positive thing too, right? Like as many as those voices that are out there that are negative and limiting us, there are those voices out there that are positive that help us individually. And I think we've also seen that shift to some extent, at least we're starting to in businesses, especially post pandemic, and that they're seeing that, hey, maybe we need to treat ourselves and our 
employees a little better too. Absolutely. Like I remember reading this article about a ice cream shop in Pittsburgh and you know, just a small independent operator and the man who owned the business was whatever rate he was paying before, like eight, $10 an hour, wasn't getting anyone to work post pandemic to sell ice cream. Then he raised his minimum, the minimum pay at his shop to $15 an hour. And he started getting all these employees lining up to want to work there. And then he, when he opened, he started paying more. You know, I think our old mindset in business was, well, you're just going to lose money because you're paying your employees too mm -hmm. much. Turns out he started making more money and more profit than ever before because, wow. wow, amazing. When your employees are happy, you can make more money. It's the, it's the scarcity versus the abundance mindset is the way that I frame it for myself anyways. And it is so key. And I also think that that scarcity mindset in my own experience is is toxic actually mm -hmm. to any organization like i think it's toxic to human beings and i think it's toxic when you organize it, a bunch of human beings around it actually um yeah. that is my theory my theory is it absolutely that um because when you operate from a place of a mindset of abundance then again it goes perfectly well with the theme today is is everything is is suddenly possible um yeah. And, and, you know, all of the old vestiges of competition and, <laughs> you know, the market is all about competition, right? And um, I, I just, I just, I just want to say as a witness to, you know, seeing both of those things um, in my personal life, um, it's, it's, it's just false. I think that the mindset of scarcity is a way to, frankly, in my opinion, to keep people in their place that's that's oh, the way that i see it absolutely mm -hmm. and, and the mindset of abundance is um the opposite of that it's what we should lean into because just like what we're doing you know um our whole purpose here is to lift each other up it's the idea that there is an abundance in the world for all of us to share in and that when we lift each other up um we share even more so in that abundance, like you just talked about in that example. I think that that, in my mind, is 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 really, you know, what can translate worldwide in every community, in every family. There's there's no need for for this, you know, this idea that um, someone else has to suffer in order for you to to do well. Absolutely, um, and it reminds me of that mm -hmm. saying that. I think before pre-pandemic, it was very much, there's a limited number of seats at the stable right. concept. And, you know, I think that also applies in our household. Sometimes when say we have, I don't even, I don't like Thanksgiving because I don't like the idea and concept behind what we're celebrating there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a big family meal in the United States, I think we tend to remove the children from the table because there's not room for them there. But there is space for them there. And I think when they make that changes, it not only helps the children, but it helps the adults have better relationships with those children. And those children learn skill sets like conversation and those types of things when they're at the adult table. And then when it comes to our professional world, when we come from the concept of there's room for everybody at this table, that mindset that we can welcome everyone really changes how we can do our job, how a business can change its methods in a way that is 
positive for itself internally, externally, and for profit. I think now finally data is showing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this great reckoning of challenging the status quo, I think, is is exciting for me because I, you know, even I remember I I I, I um, interviewed for something, some kind of management position. Um, And, you know, the way that I was describing my management style, I had never been a manager, but I I already had (laughs) clearly in my mind how I would be a manager, right? And my management style was radically different than anybody else's. um, (laughs) Because I really, I mean, it comes from the place of values, right? It's, and and I think that um, capitalism, you know, uh, in general, or however we want to describe the way that we've been, you know, operating in this economic market for so long. Um, I think we call it Milton Friedman's market. Yes, yes. Um, It has very much been based on the idea of, you know, competition and hierarchy like that. When you were speaking Mm -hmm. about structures, um, it made me think about how the values of of profiting um, and how profit is over people always is. It made me think about how hierarchy naturally almost um, unravels from that or unfolds from that. And so if we think a little bit differently, and I think like to your point, it, it, it is happening. There's been a little cultural shift, which is, I think, some usually the most important kind. <laughs> so this little, cultural shift, this little cultural shift that is happening, um, it is going to change a lot. And, in, and if we're smart, we can seize this moment and understand, um, as you were saying, that this is going to be beneficial for everyone. It's not a zero-sum game. It is a let's grow the pie. Let's let's build yeah. on the table. And I can just imagine a world where you know everyone treats each other with grace. First of all, I think that's been a big COVID lesson. We need to treat each other with grace, right? But Absolutely. also fundamentally changing the way that we see each other in relation to one another. So just like we were saying, challenge yourself, you know, to understand that these people that are in these other roles are not any, you know, you know, inherently better than you. Um, I think that I hope, well, I hope that this cultural shift will also bring us to a place where hierarchy is, is lessened. um, And there's a little more democracy in the workplace in that, people start seeing each other as just really valuable human beings to one another, you know, and just having value in each other, regardless of, you know, these titles and this fake hierarchy that is literally not a real thing. <laughs> it's a concept <laughs> that we put on a piece of paper and, you know, and, and, it, and I mean, it's literally because we want to ingrain a psychological effect into people's minds um, and, and choosing, choosing something different. I mean, I know it sounds Maybe it sounds radical to people, but I don't think that it's going to be for much longer. I think that we have gotten to this place where we have just seen the humanity in one another. I think that's really what's happened. And I think it's it's incredible, actually, because for so long, that's, to me, what has been missing. Yeah, I think you raised an excellent point that I think brings this whole full circle in that when we start seeing humanity and the capability in others that are around us, whether they're in our workplace or our home life or our friends, it is then easier to see the humanity in ourselves mm. because we start from that mindset of seeing the abundance mm-hmm. in others. We can then apply that same thought to us because we've almost conditioned ourselves to mm. just 
look for the potential and the good and the grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I want to live in that world. And I think it's incumbent <laughs> upon us to build it. Um, Absolutely. I am yeah. there with you building it. Yes. And we're so happy that all of you listening are here building it with us as well. So with that, Tessa, thank you so much for this incredible, another incredible conversation. And I hope you all have felt uplifted. Thank you, Sai. Thank you, everyone, for listening and sharing with us how you also uplift yourself and others. And don't forget, you're phenomenal. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Bye, Tessa. Bye.